Welcome to Smart Council, responsible and irresponsible uses of social media. Smart Council provides perspectives and resources on spirituality, mental health, addictions, relationships, and trauma. I'm your host, Reese Basimio. And I am Stephen Black from TCK Care, the podcast where we share stories, strategies, and support for third culture kids all around the world in all walks of life. And here we are together yet again. True. Uh, Reese and I have joined forces previously discussing cultural issues, addictions. If you haven't listened to our episode on addictions and TCKs, you should definitely go check that out. For sure. Would you say we're here a little bit to talk about our addiction to social media and how that affects culture? Oh, absolutely. I think that it certainly looks that way to me anyways, although I feel like I'm going to just defer to you on the uh, addiction side of things but yeah what do you think uh yeah i i would definitely say there's there's maybe an an addiction and an obsession for sure in my sphere of work where i I work a lot with uh, you know you know pornography addiction in in particular and uh internet addiction it's uh it's growing on the radar where we're becoming more aware that it's a thing and um one of the other things i'm thinking too just thinking about our cultural moment um yeah, at the time of our recording, this is the um, this is right in the thick of the the whole coronavirus situation, and it seems like social media is playing a significant role in how our culture is experiencing everything there. Um, Stephen, what do you notice going on there? Yeah, good question. It seems to me like there's sort of um, there's sort of two ways we are handling social media right now. One is to use social media to connect with other people, which is excellent. Um, if you haven't heard of the program Zoom by now, um, I don't know why that is because everybody's using it. So on the one hand, um, especially with uh, the whole coronavirus thing going on, uh, a lot of people are using social media to connect, to share resources, um, to encourage each other and that's fantastic. That's excellent. I want, wonderful. I'm so glad that's happening. And on the other hand, um, I feel like uh, culturally speaking, social media has um, for years now played such a huge role in how we relate to others. Um, it gives us a safe place to yell at people when uh, we're too scared to have real confrontation in person. Um, there's, uh, it's, I, I know it has a tendency to be uh, time-consuming if if you let it. it. It certainly can feel that way. So I feel like there's... Um, I feel like there's... I feel like social media is a tool and um, it's as good as what it can be used for. But um, especially now that we are facing social isolation um, or social distancing at least, I feel like the tool is uh, perhaps um, perhaps growing exponentially in how how much it's used, and I'm not sure if that's a good thing for our culture or not. Um, yeah, what are your what are your thoughts, Reese? I think yeah, what's what's really standing out to me there. There's a way that um, the internet is a great tool. It offers a lot of connect. Mm-hmm. It offers a lot of potential uh, uses and. You know, like any tool, there's going to be ways to use it well. 
and there's going to be ways to to misuse it or overuse it or use it for things that's it's not meant to do and i feel like that's kind of where where i'm landing here also right uh this idea of um it doesn't really sit really well with me like the the role that the internet plays um and you know i i heard i heard once that so so for me and uh like people in my specific age bracket so i'm i'm turning 37 later this year and and i think you know, people like within like two or three years of my age, um, they, they did a, a, somewhere I heard a study once where um, people in my age, we we have fully formed memories before and after the Internet. And mm. that puts us in this really unique spot of, of of fully of fully knowing how life is both ways and kind of being caught in the middle of like, hey, yeah, the Internet is kind of this great thing. And also, like, I kind of like being in person a lot more and mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's um, that. That's one of the questions I'm, I'm I'm thinking of here. Is like so. I mean, it's this great tool, but just how much should it be used? And you're you're talking about you know, news and information, and I mean, it is great. Um, as you know, one one guy I know you know talks about it. You 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 now have infinity in your pocket with your with your smartphone, and you can know just about anything, anytime, anywhere for any reason. Um, and there's a way that maybe that doesn't really uh, you don't really have to search for it anymore. Like you don't have to, you know, go buy a paper or go to the library or go, you know, talk to somebody. You can just kind of um, rifle through whatever information, and maybe that kind of tends to cheapen it a little bit. Um, and the other end that I'm thinking of has to do with relationships and connections. Um, from my uh, from my position as as a counselor, there's been this huge movement um, within the last three weeks as you know the high majority of the counseling committee has made this mass exodus from the offices onto the online platforms. And there's, you know, definitely a lot of good reasons for that and a lot of advocates for why online therapy works and is really powerful. And yet I'm still holding on to this question of, well, what do we lose when we lose the face-to-face contact? Because I feel like we do lose something and it's, it's maybe kind of mystical, kind of intangible, and maybe subtle, and maybe I'm the only Luddite who who's feeling the loss, but I'm, I'm still going to talk about it because I have a microphone. So. <laughs> oh, definitely. I'm, I'm definitely feeling it, too. I'm definitely yeah. feeling the loss of in-person relationship. And I love what you said about um, infinity in your pocket. I feel like there's so, there's so much implication there for social media and how we're using it, the, the power of that tool. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, there and and again referencing my field working with with pornography addiction, um, those who those who you know track track the history of everything, you know porn addiction today looks a lot different than it did you know fifty years ago. You know once upon a time you had to again you had to go out and find it like you had mm. to you know don the trench coat and go to the seedy part of town to buy dirty magazines and they were actual magazines and you you know, had to stash them or you had a subscription to Penthouse or to Playboy and you had paper in boxes that regrettably lots of, you know, you know, sons and daughters also encountered later. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that things shifted when, you know, the internet came about, you know, and it was dial up and, you know, dial up porn is legendary among, you know, recovering porn users for just like the awful slowness of it. Um, but it's still, I mean, it that was a shift in where now, there's just a lot more available and you can find a lot more. Um, but everybody notes 
Uh, one of the huge milestones was the advent of high-speed internet, where at that point you can instantly have anything you want. And 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 novelty seeking is a huge part of addiction in general, compulsion in general, but especially with, with pornography addiction because uh, there's just no limit to what you could look up. And and it and it creates this this rhythm of I'm always seeking something new, always seeking something new, and and if I get bored with something, I just move on. And there's you know there's no attention span, no commitment, and just you know endless thrill seeking. Um, and it was it had a it had and ha- continues to have a huge impact on 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 pornography. Right, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Which is kind of the if I can, the dark side of the the dark side of the web, right? The sort of the downside of the powerful tool, the the whole infinity in your pocket concept. There are some th- things to wonder about for sure. So I should also point out so so the phrase infinity in your pocket, I, I do attribute that I first heard it from 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 John Mark Comer. He's a he's a local pastor at Bridgetown Church in Portland, Oregon, and he has a podcast and it's really great. Uh, and he's also kind of a poet so i heard the phrase from him and i liked it so much that now i'm using it now but anyway uh so let's uh let's let's dig into this whole uh internets thing and you know let's let's start off on on a strength space note um we have this platform and we have the social medias what are some responsible uses what are some what are some of the gifts that it affords to us oh sure yeah um one of the things that i can think of is that um, oftentimes, when people are facing uh, are facing isolation, they do feel particularly alone or vulnerable. Um, social media can be a way to reach out to those people. Also, it can be a wonderful resource for um, spreading information and advocating, um, raising awareness of vulnerable people, um, and um, marketing too. Right, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, I mean, I get most of the referrals uh, to my podcast uh, from Facebook. And so uh, as much as I want to point out the um, the dangers of social media, um, I still use it and it benefits me. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure that there are other people out there um, that find it useful as well. So there's a lot that can be said for social media. Um and I feel like it may actually be doing, uh, it may be serving a beneficial purpose in this world. Reese, do you have similar thoughts? I think I do. And I mean, thinking about dissemination of information, I mean, in a, in a crisis scenario, for sure, or like a heightened national situation, global situation, being able to disseminate information feels really vital. So everyone can, well, kind of be on the same page. And just for the sheer coordination of it all. I mean, I mean, in our country alone, I mean, you've got you know fifty states coordinating, and I, I perceive anyway that a lot of neo nations are coordinating together too. Which I mean, it's it's kind of a cool thing. I mean, yeah, sure. For for a hot minute in world history, I mean, we're not really like warring with each other, which it's kind of nice. One of the other one, of, um, but but I'm also thinking just in general, like disseminating information. I'm thinking about you know YouTube Academy, and everybody's like, you know, I need to fi- figure out how to change a pipe. Or I need to figure out <laughs> a real life example for me. I'm trying to figure out how to like set up some sound equipment <laughs> and everybody's like, go on YouTube. So I'm like starting to go on YouTube and being like, oh yeah, it kind of works. Hmm. Um, so there is a way, I mean, you can kind of teach yourself how to do anything, which is great. 
Um, one of the other benefits I'm noticing too is, um, and this isn't new to this moment in time either, but the way that uh, niche groups or specialty groups can find each other. Um, you know, if you have, you know, say like, you know, a long list of, you know, particular qualifiers of things that make you you, you know, you might not have people like that in your neighborhood or at your school or at your workplace or at your church or somewhere, but you might be able to join an online community with other people who are pretty much like you. And it might be people in your same city, in your in a different state, or even in a different country. Um, so, so there's that way that it can, in that sense, bring people together who may not normally have otherwise, you know, been together. Then, and that, that's pretty neat. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, you know, that is actually one of the things that I think of it for TCKs in particular. Uh, third culture kids are highly mobile, and they're often moving around. And um, the people that TCKs relate to most are other TCKs. And yet, uh, when you're moving around, you often find yourself in situations where there are no other TCKs readily available. So, hashtag Facebook. <laughs> and, yeah. And um, so, there is that that whole concept that um, if you don't have uh, the people that you want in your life, um, they're easier than ever, uh, possibly in all of history, to find your people and to connect with them in a meaningful way on social media. So that's definitely a huge, um, a huge pro. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, as a, as a promotional platform, uh, and I'm thinking again, here's the social medias, you know, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, Instagram, um, you know, me, me as a small business owner of my practice. Well, actually, I mean, I, I don't actually advertise very much, but, um, but someday I hope to publish a book, uh, a, a sci-fi novel. It's, it's, it's in progress. And, and at that point I will definitely be wanting to, you know, blast stuff all over the social medias so that people can know, Hey, Reese wrote a book. It's good. You should read it. Uh, mm -hmm. so, uh, that's, that's definitely a benefit other. And it's, you know, a lot of those platforms can be kind of free as well. They cost them my time instead of me having to go through a traditional publishing house or buying a billboard or something like that. Right. So there's the whole, uh, there's, yeah, you make a good point that it does cost you some time, but other than that, it's, it's free. It's definitely contributing to a uh, DIY culture. So, um, that's an interesting, interesting, uh, impact of social media. There's that too. And, you know, with, uh, within my counseling practice, I, I mean, I, I don't advert, I don't use Google ads or any big advertising, but I do have a couple online profiles. I have a profile at psychologytoday.com and at portlandtherapycenter.com. And those are online directories that, you know, the, you know, I pay a bit of a subscription, but the, the inquiring client, they can access that for free and they can browse and browse and browse. And if they like me, they can find me or they can find me. And if they like me, they can call me. And, and it becomes a really easy, low cost, low investment, low risk way of getting a first impression of me mm. and that can be that's really useful uh, otherwise what would it have been before then it would have been like yellow pages or newspaper i suppose oh my goodness so here's so here's my here's um here's a i'm getting old sort of moment so <laughs> uh so um i think i was talking with my kids about maybe taking them to see like a shakespearean play someday someday and 
I think some somewhere in that story, it was referencing how you know when I was a kid, you know, my family moved to Southern Oregon, and and part of the draw to that was there's a Shakespearean festival in Ashland, Oregon, and we'd only heard about that because first we'd gone to the Shakespearean festival in Cedar City, Utah, when we lived in Arizona when I was like uh, a little kid, yeah, younger than ten, and um and and I think um and at that point it it occurred to me to wonder okay. So if I wanted to look up something like that, if I if I lived in Arizona and wanted to look up Shakespeare, Shakespearean festivals, I would pull up my phone and say, Google, where is a near Shakespearean festival? But I'm but I was thinking like, I mean, thirty years ago, like there was no internet. I'm like, how did my mother discover this thing in Utah when we were in Arizona? And I was like, How did these things happen? I don't have any memory of that. <laughs> like, how did people learn anything? <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I'll have to ask her sometime. So, Mom, if you're listening to this, <laughs> how did you discover the Shakespearean Festival? So, anyway. So, uh, so the internet. It definitely affords a lot of information and a lot of learning. True. That's a good point. Which, you know, the thing that comes to mind is... Yeah. How, how did we ever navigate before the internet? Like, with a paper map? And then, you know, I'm also thinking of all the times when since... Uh, the internet has come out and since having a gps people still attempt to give me directions and i'm like why why would you even try i'm just gonna plug it into my phone and it's guaranteed to get me to where i want to go so right and that that guarantee is really great i think that's how i get to your house almost every time too so (laughs) uh i will say though there there is an art there is a really finely crafted art to uh giving directions really well and Mm -hmm. some people can do it some people cannot so uh if you if you can do it shout outs to you and thank you for the clear directions um okay so uh so cannot deny there's some benefits to the internet and social media and we're also gonna now uh pick it apart a little bit um what steven what are some of the concerns you have about how social media is and the internet are being used. And I would say particularly now, today, this week, this month, as we're in virus season, mm. um, yeah. but also in general. Yeah. I guess one thing that um, has been problematic in the past is that um, I have had a lot of TCKs um, use social media as an excuse for not needing real-life experience. They will say, oh, I already know what to expect um, when I'm moving around. I already know what to expect from my college experience because I've watched TV shows and I'm on Instagram and I'm looking at pictures of other people who are there living that life. And so I don't need to know what life is like because I can see pictures of their lives and that's a clear and accurate representation of their lives, obviously. Um, And it's just not the same. Honestly, like social media cannot um, accurately um, teach you culture. Um, it's one small part of culture. Yes, it shows our, our it shows our best sides, or it shows uh, our most important sides. It shows whatever we want to communicate about ourselves. But it it's not all of culture. It's not uh, it's not the bigger picture. It doesn't teach you how to navigate things. It doesn't teach you how to do relationship with these people. And then. More recently, uh, one of my biggest concerns has been that um, social media is often used for dividing and conquering, so to speak. Um, 
making a clear and definitive statement, sort of pounding your fist on the table, saying, this is who I am, this is what I believe, um, and everybody who is with me rallied to my side of the table. And um, everybody who is not, we're going to unfriend so we don't have to listen to you. And so I feel like social media is almost like a cop-out for doing real life, for having real experiences, for um, experiencing culture, experiencing uh -oh. life with other people, and for um, uh, doing confrontation as well. Like it's a safe place to confront people because you can do so from behind the safety of your screen. And so while social media is often used uh, in lieu of real life, it is most definitely not. Definitely not. I would really want to emphasize that um, and definitely put my foot down and say, no, the internet is not real life. Um, in that our internal experience and our outer presentation of that experience, um, they they do not usually match up. Yes. They, they might be more similar... For, for some people, like after a lot of work and after a lot of work at, you know, getting to know yourself, you know, integrating the different parts of yourself, working mm -hmm. to come to a place mm -hmm. of congruency where mm -hmm. your thoughts and your values and your actions and your relationships are all like more similar than not. But that's usually uh, towards the end of a lot of work to, mm -hmm. to get there. Um, it's much, you know, er, you know, earlier in our lives, earlier in our journeys, it's a lot more likely that we're going to be a little bit more fragmented and a little bit more um, disintegrated in the sense that we're not really well connected with all of the parts of ourselves. And let's just face it, a lot of us have things we don't want to show because we have shame or there's stigma or things and things. Right. So yeah, <clears throat> definitely one of my concerns is the, the Instagram effect of, you know, like, like you said, you know, I, I look through Instagram and not me personally, think, thankfully I have avoided the Instagram mess. Um, but, you know, I hear that, you know, you scroll through Instagram and you see, again, people's happy lives, people's clean children, people's perfectly made hair, people's mm -hmm. lovely gardens, people, the, you know, the loveliness of everybody's perfectly manicured life. And you look at that from a place of, you know, feeling, you know, messy and scruffy and lonely and depressed and incompetent and... Um, acutely aware of your own failures and you the the tendency is to compare your internal experience to someone's outward presentation and they will never match never ever 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 and it is only going to create despondency and despair and you know instagram i think is lately the prime culprit for that but i would say you know facebook too you know the, it contributes to that effect in Twitter, well, I mean, everybody in Twitter is always angry. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but, but, but yeah, there, there's a way that, yeah, I would agree. Social media distracts us from our real lives and it gets us caught up in other people's online lives. And those are not real lives. And it tends to disconnect us from ourselves and from others, I think. Um, my, my, other, my other thought is just in the mechanism of what being on a screen does and being caught up in a show or in a feed or in a news story um, is you you leave your own head, um, which is part of the wonder of like a story. And I mean, I love stories and there's there, there's something great about being ushered into another world that the storyteller has created for you. And uh, certain mediums seem to do that so completely that you are dissociated from yourself. You're not aware of your emotions. You're not really in touch with your body. You're you're definitely not connecting with people around you. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely noticed like 
you know, as I've like gone further into my own recovery journey, like if I, you know, I'm a lot more, maybe I'm a little bit more susceptible to these impacts, but you know, if I, you know, spend more than like 40, more than an episode, like on, on Netflix or something, I start getting in a funk and I start dissociating and like the next, if I watch too much, like the next day I have a hangover, literally. So mm. Reese, this reminds me so much of the uh, previous episode that we have done together on addictions. And uh, I was just struck by how um, you brought in the, uh, you talked about the compulsive behaviors that go into addictions and that sort of thing to um, really look at how addictions are so much broader than um, just uh, just a reliance on illegal drug that um, I have probably previously, you know, stigmatized it to be. Um, whereas, uh, in reality, um, addictions can uh, can touch on multiple facets of life, social media notwithstanding. Um, and I really appreciate that you mentioned Netflix as well. Just that whole getting out of your head experience and. Um, you know, having an overdose of, of, uh, disengagement the next day. That was, um, that was a beautiful illustration of, um, some of the risks of the internet that, um, are so important to talk about. So thanks. Good on you. So, um, I guess two, uh, I mean, two, two other main points we, uh, I think we want to explore a little bit are, uh, social media's impact on information and um, how much information should we be taking in or not? Uh, and also social media's impact on relationships. And, um, you know, I mean, in a sense, like, do, do the online relationships count? Uh, which is kind of an unfair way to, to put it, because that kind of, maybe it's kind of an unfair way of asking the question. But, um, but, but, but we would like to explore um, what, I mean, what is the impact of, having a relationship primarily or sometimes exclusively over over the nets right yeah that's a good uh that's a good question i think uh i i kind of respect how you asked um whether online relationships count and i see what you're saying that it's an unfair way to ask the question but um but i feel like that is what I'm personally wrestling with anyways, um, that I see the value in, uh, in connecting with people, uh, on this platform. Um, and yet it doesn't seem real. Um, it has real purpose. It has real outcome. It has real benefits. And yet, um, it's like you said earlier, the Instagram effect that, um, we're putting our best foot forward and um, we're not showing the real, uh, the real McCoy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I want to say that I would uh, throw it out entirely, except it's so darn useful. Like mm -hmm. I use, I use uh, Facebook for, for networking so much. I will uh, hear about somebody who's into the TCK world and um, go on Michael Pollock's uh, Facebook page and find them, and they're usually there. Yeah. So um, it's an incredibly useful tool, too. Right, yeah. I, right. And a networking business connection, yeah, we could call it maybe a network business connection kind of its own thing because it, it kind of makes a little more sense there sometimes. But 
but I think what you're talking, what you're, um, what you're describing there is this very carefully curated you. Yeah, that's true. Um, which you just don't get when you're when you're in person, and so. Uh, I, I think I would agree. Um, and again, I'm saying this from a place of a lot of privilege where I, I can kind of freely go out and make friends. And it's easy to find people who look like me, talk like me, believe like me, uh, have relationships like I do. And so um, there there are a lot of major privileges that I have in how I experience relationships. And, mm-hmm. I, and I do know that um, there's, there's a lot of people who they, they're lacking that. Mm-hmm. So... I can definitely hold up this ideal of, oh, yeah, we're friends in real life, mostly in real life, and sometimes we also FaceTime. I love that ideal. And I also do recognize that there are some people who they live in isolation, either because of geography or because of, like, stigma or fear or uh, just, I mean, there, there's a host of other barriers, you know, related to different lacks of privilege and different demographics that say, I don't know, like I'm thinking like if you're like the one like queer kid of color in Nebraska, like you're probably not going to find community in real life. So you're probably going to your your online community is going to be your your lifeline. Right. And that, and that's great. And that, in that case, I'm like, yes, absolutely. Be online, make friends, stay alive because that's good. That's beautiful. One of the other variations I, I mean, I, I could I could pick on a little bit, though, is, you know, people using like tinder and grinder to try to find dating partners um you know let's just be fair i think tinder and grinder they're they're not actually for dating they're for other things <laughs> uh right but 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 what ends up happening is again you you go through these the, these these profile feeds and you get this very carefully curated image of a person mm-hmm. you know you chat through the online and it's this very carefully curated well Hopefully, it's hopefully people are being careful with what they type in their chat feeds. Sometimes they're not, but but it's very carefully, sh- you know, shaped and sculpted, and it's a very thin slice of who you actually are. And then, you know, if ever that relationship translates into real life, then you have to like introduce all of the awkward, like, oh, th- this person's actually a little bit taller than me. They they smell kind of funny, or. Uh, they make some, you know, they, the noises they make when they eat or just the energy that I feel with them when I'm in person. Uh, like you don't get any of that online. And, um, and I, and I guess if the relationship's going to just stay all online, I mean, that, I mean, it's kind of okay. Cause it's just going to be, if it's meant to be an only online relationship, I guess that would be one thing. But if it's going to be an online relationship that later like translates to a real life relationship, such as in the case of like, I'm looking for a romantic partner. Um, I've, I mean, at least the majority of the people that I talk to, they run into a lot of challenges with that, um, because there's a lot of missed expectations and letdowns Mm -hmm. and, uh, or in the case, you know, people who run into like, well, your profile picture looks one way, you look a different way, um, which is horribly shallow and superficial and objectifying to begin with. But again, it's just something we do when we're online. Mm, Yeah. So Reese, let me ask this question. Um, with the exception of people who are, like you mentioned earlier, going online and um, accessing social media for that lifeline of support, like that really need it, um, except for situations like that, um, just for the average ordinary person, um, perhaps, you know, of privilege like us, should your goal be to have um, solely um, IRL, in real life relationships, 
Um, or can that be supplemented by um, social media? Or can social media take uh, the forefront? Or you know, how do you go about measuring um, that, so to speak? Mm, that's a good question. Again, I'm going to have to go back to, to an ideal, which, again, it's not going to be unilaterally accessible for everyone. Um, I, w- I would hope that people could connect mostly in person. And, um, and and again, I mean, right now, as everybody's social distancing and doing everything online, I'm really thankful for online groups, and I'm really thankful for online therapy. And there are really genuine, really great connections that you can make here. You know, you can make eye contact, you can attune, you can talk about the emotions and everything. Mm. Yeah, Um, I hear you. That is, that's a good point. But, you know, there there is something a little bit different when, I mean, and this doesn't apply to clients so much as like friends, but like when I, when I, when I know that at the end of the conversation, like I could get a hug from you, like that just, Mm. there's, there's a richness to, um, to, to what that interaction is. And, Mm. you know, and a real limit to, to what can happen online. Yeah. Um, and you know, if I could just take it back to that question that you had asked earlier about, um, how much news we should, uh, be, uh, turning to the internet, uh, for, um, how much do we use our online mediums versus how much should be in person? I was wondering if you could speak to that for a second. No, it's a good question. Um, well, I was thinking, thinking, um, thinking what sort of information should be exchanged, you know, maybe this is me being the age that I am and with like the, the relationship background that I have, but I feel like I want to, um, I don't, I want to, I want to, I want to have most of my information exchanged with you be in person because I mm. want it to be like a real full bodied, full human experience. Um, when I've had, um, online interactions or developed online friendships or other relationships, um, there's, they, they, they feel different there. It's like, you know, you, like you mentioned, you know, getting notifications in your feed a little while ago and there's, um, there's this dopamine rush that goes with, you know, getting, getting a ping, getting a notification, uh, getting a message and things. And depending on the nature of what that relationship is, you know, I think that that little dopamine rush just kind of feeds the obsession to be like, um, I'm going to turn away. I'm going to now turn away from my real life, my, my real partner, my real kids, the real trees and flowers in front of me, like my real bodily experience to now put all my attention into this screen and this thing that this other person just said or just posted or just did that doesn't actually really apply to me in some way. And um, so, and I don't think that's, that's a really healthy addition to, to life most of the time. Um, but, you know, like you said, as a, as a supplement to, existing relationships or, you know, in a heightened situation, like we're trying to coordinate something or we're, we're supporting somebody in need or, you know, it's, it's a different situation. Uh, I mean, that, that works. And then, then it, then it's, then it's a great thing. But if that's, if that's your normal, I don't know, my hope would always be that people could be, you know, fully in their bodies, fully in the rooms where they're in and fully in their emotions and fully in, the the interactions with the people that are actually with them Mm. you know you make a good point about the crisis situation um not too long ago we went through uh we went through a difficult time and um our friend made a post about it on facebook and we received so much help and support from people all over the world Uh, some people that you know i don't even know 
um, just because they heard about it. And um, so the tool was used for something good in that instance. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I resonate with what you're saying that you want your, you want your life to be in real life. You want to be in your, um, in the bodily experience of your life, um, in those relationships, in that setting. Um, but yeah, you make a good point that there's also a time and a place for using the tool for, um, for what it's good for, if you will. I would absolutely agree. And, uh, you know, same with my family a couple years ago, my, my wife had a medical crisis and, um, it obviously happened very last minute, but, um, I put out some notices on Facebook and I said, Hey, I need help. And I need help with, with me, with the boys. And I think I had people from like three different church communities and some other people like all like pitch in, like, you know, Mm. I had this guy who was like a friend from high school who I hadn't seen in 20 years, like, you know, go pick up groceries for me because he happened to be in town. And yeah, and we can say, yeah, that was, that was social media at its finest. Mm. And Mm -hmm. it was great. Yeah. That's really cool. But well, so, so turn it, turn it back to this idea of, um, kind of an appropriate use of information. Um, cause we talked, we, we've been bouncing back and forth between like how much should relationships be online versus in person, uh, but also like how much of the vast information available should we be consuming versus not. And I don't know, what would you, what would you say, what would you say, Stephen, is, is a good balance between being, being well-informed about the state of the world and just obsessing and becoming overwhelmed by the obsessive devouring of data. Mm. <laughs> yes, um, that's a good question, Reese. And um, I was recently talking to someone who's reading the book Indistractable, and they um, talked about um, scheduling distractions into your day. Like if you're going to um, spend time reading the news, then by all means, schedule that into your day and, you know, set a timer. And um, if you're going to be distracted from what you're supposed to be doing by reading the news for 30 minutes, then that is a distraction. But if you schedule 30 minutes to read the news, then it's not a distra- It's not a distraction. It's on the agenda. Um, and so you become indistractable by intentionally choosing to do things that um, you either want or need to do. Um, so I am a firm believer in... Um, in setting a schedule and sticking to it. And also, um, you know, just thinking back to what you were saying about being, uh, having, living a full-bodied life and living in the moment. I know of uh, people in my life who sometimes uh, get lost in um, consuming, uh, consuming data uh, online. And... Um, I think that oftentimes it's fear-based in that, you know, there's a disaster, there's a crisis, and so we need to stay abreast of the situation and we need to consume all the data that we possibly humanly can just so we can protect ourselves from every eventuality or every possibility. And um, I think that um, when consuming information detracts you from being in the moment with people, with... uh, with other people in your life, but then also with yourself. And when it when that takes precedence over feeling your own feelings and um, being, being rationally and emotionally engaged in your experience, 
I think that is um, taking it too far. And so um, all things in moderation. Yes, consume the news. Um, that's what it's there for, absolutely. Yes, stay abreast of the situation and stay informed, uh, but do so um, do so on a schedule and don't let that de- don't let that detract from uh, being present in your own situation and in the relationships of those around you. I really want to say something about that, but I feel like you, I mean, I can't say it better than that. Um, this idea of, yeah, being, being present, being fully with your people and, and fully in your own self, um, which again, is going to be difficult. It's, it's not unilaterally accessible for, for all people. And I mean, if you're in a really stressful, maybe traumatic, maybe abusive situation, that that's a different thing. And yeah, yeah totally. Like finding some sort of escape is going to be more adaptive and that's, and that's sort of case. Mm-hmm. Um, in which case, <laughs> reach out to us. We'll help you find resources or something. <laughs> um, but, um, but, but wherever it is safe to do so, yeah, being being in your body, being in your feelings, um, being out of nature. If you have that a little bit, uh, we we are we Oregonians. We are still allowed to go take walks, so <laughs> we we should go do that. Yeah, and absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that. Yeah, that's that's good. I like it. And Reese, yeah, we've kind of touched on relationships and the pros and cons of um, uh, social media and just trying to find some sort of a balance between um, being uh, being connected virtually versus being present physically. And I just wanted to ask, um, sort of as we're coming up on the end of our end of our episode together, what do you think of you know it would. Would you have any advice, any words of wisdom or guidance on how to maximize this tool that we have at our disposal? How do we make the most of um, social media? Mm, I like that idea of, yeah, maximizing maximizing the tool to, to adapt to the situation. I mean, I think I would definitely prioritize uh, contact with real people and maybe um, maybe prioritize contact with the people who you already know in real life and something like, you know, yeah, you know, FaceTime, Zoom, Skype, they they're they're everybody's friend right now because that's that's how we that's how we see each other. Mm-hmm. And I you know I'm certainly really excited to explore the potential of like the Zoom groups and you know, I am doing a doing a therapy group, because uh, HIPAA is allowing us to do that right now. Uh and I'm wanting to get like a family get together and maybe see if I can invite some other friends to just do like like an online men's group and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited for that kind of interaction. Yeah. Um yeah. You know, I know it could be a good time to catch up on, you know, documentaries or something, uh, do something educational. I would say probably a good precaution would be, you know, and in, in reality, limit, limit your exposure to the news, limit your exposure to the Facebook feed, you know, limit your exposure to people's unfiltered, unregulated opinions, because that's going to be what causes more stress. If you need to know something, if you need a specific piece of information, or if you just want to reassure yourself, you know, about where Corona is today, then look up that specific thing and then get off the internet. Mm. You don't need to spend all day combing and combing and combing or scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Go for the specific information you need and then do something connective and then, and then go, go back to your real life and I think that might be that might be a good balance to start with. Hashtag preach. Yep. 
I agree. Very good. Yeah. Um, Stephen, thank you for uh, taking some time and collaborating with me on a conversation. Um, I'm kind of excited that we got to to do this and throw out some ideas. Um, I perceive we could probably say a lot more, and maybe sometime we will. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Reese. It has been such a pleasure to speak with you once again. Um, I really appreciate you just speaking into the psychological side of things. Um, this has been something that's been weighing heavy on my mind that I really wanted to get into. So I really appreciate you lending me your expertise in addressing the issue of appropriately using social media and the internet. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so for the, the Smart Council listeners who might want to to find you, where can uh, they find you on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the internet... <laughs> Please, I would love to hear from you if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or would just like to connect. Um, please do reach out. You can find me on tckcare.com. Um, you can reach out to me specifically at tckcare.com slash connect. I would love to hear from you. So, yes, thank you for asking that, Reese. And for listeners of um, TCK Care, the podcast, um, if they would like to use your um, expertise, on addressing some of the uh, privacy addiction side of things, um, who need help sure. with um, with counseling, um, especially now that um, counseling online is all the rage. And thank you, Zoom. What would be the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, you can find me on the internet because uh, I do have an internet internet presence at uh, newpatterncounseling.com. That's newpatterncounseling.com. And you can look up uh, I have a contact email there on the website. It's basically Reese, R-H-Y-S, at newpatterncounseling.com. And you can look up the stuff about the podcast at patreon.com slash smartcouncil. And yes, if you have questions about addictions, uh, gender, sexuality, spirituality, or just relationships and things, uh, those are some of my favorite things to talk about. And I'd love to ha- connect, help you find resources. And uh, yes, uh, possibly we have offended some people uh, and are talking because uh, we might have the dissenting opinion here. Uh, but if that's the case, I would say if we've offended you, please do reach out and tell us so that yes. we can learn and so that we can dialogue and yeah, absolutely. Uh, hopefully grow as people. And, and if you like what we say, we'd also like to hear that too. So yeah. thank you. There you go. Perfect. All right. Let's keep the conversation going. We love your feedback and invite you to share your thoughts about this conversation. Also, we'd appreciate your review and five-star rating on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Share your thoughts through email at smartcouncilpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us at facebook.com slash smartcouncilpodcast. Please consider supporting this podcast with a financial donation through patreon.com slash smartcouncil. Smart Council's theme music is by Trent Price. Our logo design is by Thomas Moore. This episode was mastered by Stephen Black. Thanks again for listening, and let's keep the conversation going.